Are you ready for a wild and hilarious ride through world of crime? Then look no further because our podcast, Two Boxes of Wine and a Crime, is here. Join me, Tasha, and me, Trisha, two ex-cons who love wine, coke, and crime, as we unravel cold case murder cases drunk off our ass. Each episode, we invite you to grab a box of wine, as we use Google, humor, and of course, cocaine, to crack the toughest unsolved crimes drunk off our ass. <laughs> From small town homicides to 9-11, we have it all figured out. Or at least we think we do. <laughs> Listen as the mystery deepens, the laughter gets louder, and of course, cocaine, and the wine starts flowing drunk off our ass in our entertaining, illegal, an unforgettable podcast. So join me, Tasha, and me, Trisha, on a coke-fueled journey to serve justice with two boxes of wine and a crime. Available now on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and tune in every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for new episodes. Drunk off our ass. <laughs> so, Will, did you know that some people <laughs> listen to the podcast <laughs> on double speed <laughs> and so i thought that i would speak incredibly slowly and then very fast that they couldn't actually do it and have to listen to the podcast at normal speed you know i tried that <laughs> i tried the one and a half speed or double speed thing for a while and you know it was it, eventually it was it was mighty like you know it was great but the problem was what is when i started listening to people in the real world my brain was my brain was going speak faster speak faster speak faster speak fast faster faster speak faster speak faster speak faster but then when i used to then when i said i got to get i got to get off this like double speed jam and i went back to regular speed everyone sounded like they were drunk and i was fucking weird. it took me about a week to reacclimatize to the regular speed of speech isn't it amazing? It's almost like we have a Marvel superpower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you double speed freaks. I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. <gasps> what did you say? You are a sad, strange little man. Don't call me stupid. Hello and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where each week we pick our favourite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host Kevin, a writer of 15 films. There's 14 of them which I'm not legally allowed to discuss in this podcast, but I've definitely written them and don't look into that. And I'm joined by my co-host who's written just three films plus a Christmas special, Will What's the crack? How are you doing, um, Kevin? The crack is mighty. Um, and I'm... I can't wait. So you've ghostwritten. You've been like one of those uncredited ghostwriter on 14 I am not films. legally allowed to discuss it on the podcast, yeah. but yes. Just don't look into that. Fantastic work. So, Will, how are you? I am so good, Kevin. I'm so good. I'm here. I'm doing the podcast. We're going to talk about... What are we talking about this week, Kevin? What's your topic? What's your topic? We're talking about post-credit scenes. Post-credit But actually, scenes. I want to sort of, I want to I want to massage that a little bit. Okay. And I want to include end-credit scenes. Oh. Because post-credits are, if you're taking them quite literally, it's like the scenes that come at the very, very end of like a, a credit crawl. But end-credit scenes, there's a, there's a little more of those. So, um, yeah, I want to, um, I want to see if I can bring them all in because... There are 453 official end credit scenes. Okay. So it's not all Marvel, as some might think. As some might think, the, those 20-something Marvel films all have a post-credit scene. 23, yeah. I'm glad you, I'm <laughs> glad you uh, clarified that. But the music that I'm playing right now under this is actually taken from the very first post-credit scene. Oh. And um, it's from 1966, and it's from um, The Silencers, which is a Dean Martin knockoff of a Bond film and it ends with Dean Martin sort of um, doing that typical thing of, of his character will return in the next adventure which is going to become a trend with a lot of these uh, post-credits uh, stingers he didn't actually return so oh. it was a setup for a movie that didn't happen but yeah that's the very first post-credit scene it was in 1966 so it wasn't an Iron Man oh okay okay I'm bloody well glad um, so that's like uh, ambitious pr- producers saying yeah let's just set them up we're, we're building this franchise baby it's going to happen it's going to happen 
I think everyone uh, <laughs> feels bad for the filmmakers when they watch those films now and go, oh, it didn't happen. I'm so sorry for everyone involved. Yeah, I even wrote a post-credit scene once. It was um, it was for Grabbers, obviously, and uh, we were planning to to shoot it. I can't remember. I was trying to sort of like go back over my memory of of events, and I can't remember whether it was in the schedule and it got dropped during the shoot because we we were up against it at that point, or it got cut as soon as we had the schedule, so we knew that we just didn't have time for it. But it was it was similar to sort of the end of um the Avengers, where it it ended with. You know, you'd have the credit sequence and then it would go back into the pub with all the, the surviving islanders basically hung over and sitting around the bar, their yeah. heads in their laps and the place being a bomb site. And uh, we pan across and over behind the counter you have Paddy, who's monster. basically just um, stealing a pint for himself. And that was going to be our uh, post-credits thing, which was before the Avengers. So yeah, I remember watching that so- Avengers thing and thinking, oh, they just did what we were planning to do, but we, we never shot it, so... Oh, yeah, man. they're fun. I have one. I think we we have one in um, Song of the Sea, but I never call this post credit. When I'm writing those things, I always just kind of go, "It's the coda." I would kind of like, you know, ah, it's the kind of the button of the whole story, and it's basically after the credits, the kind of the first kind of title credits kind of roll. Um, but it's still it's like a couple of months after the action, the events of the story, and it kind of shows the the happy, perfect world has been kind of like created after the story and how they've how the family have kind of come together again. And it's just kind of like a, a snapshot into the future of like, hey, everything's okay. The family survived. Look how fun and, um, and uh, together they are right now. That's actually kind of similar to what they do in Toy Story 3, isn't it? Where after he gives the toys away at the, at the end of the film to Bonnie, um, and that's quite sort of a really sad, poignant moment, they then have that little coda where it plays over the, the credits. New toys! Well, you see that all the toys are sort of fit in with Bonnie and they're, they're actually settling in quite nicely and they're enjoying their new sort of surroundings. So it's, it's sort of a nice way to sort of send the audience out into the uh, big bad world feeling light. It's, it's really good for kind of like family films or films where you know you're going to have young audiences. Um, and in the case of Toy Story 3, and I suppose in, uh, to an extent uh, Song of the Sea, where uh, kids have kind of gone through a bit of a traumatic experience as well along the way. And you kind of want your audience walking away feeling everything's okay. Like you really want to say, listen, no, seriously, everything's okay. Any kind of sad feelings you may have or kind of resi- uh, residue of, oh, are they, you know, about uh, worry for this character or that character is kind of put to rest and you kind of come away feeling, oh, that world is fine. They're all happy, you know. So I think they're important uh, mm. in those types of stories. Yeah, because one of the first sort of uh, studios uh, uh, or franchises to sort of really embrace it was the Muppets. So the Muppets did their version of like playing us out uh, over the end credits in the, the 1979 film that they did, their first film. And that was like one of the very first to do it. You had, as I said, you had the silencers in 1966, but there was only three post-credit sequences in the 60s. One of the like really standout ones and one that is pretty you know harrowing is night of the living dead where they're showing you like snapshots of all the bodies being piled up and they're burning them wow but um there weren't that many of them then the muppets sort of decided to actually shoot something specifically for the end credits i just knew i'd catch up with you boys (laughs) and then when the 80s came along it, it sort of like, it was a lot of the Burt Reynolds, like Cannibal Run and Smokey and the Bandit, where they're playing outtakes and bloopers. And it's sort of a fun way to sort of like um, let the audience yeah. in on the making of the movie and sort of have fun with yeah. the, the cast as they were making it. In the case of Cannibal Run, it was actually, the, it's the, the bloopers at the end were the things that I um, remember the most and actually laughed at the most, I think, from those films. <laughs> because if I had enough time, I would take those rosary bleeds and... Uh, Stuff them up your nose. These bleeds? <laughs> those bleeds there. You gonna take these? You shove them up. I take these bleeds here. What? <laughs> Definitely, and that became sort of like what end credits were for a long time. They were like uh, they weren't what we have now with the Marvel movies, where they're teasers. They were all um, just a sort of blooper reels that they tag on at the end. 
you know, you talked about um, Toy Story 3 earlier on and the coda that they have. But even Pixar, they did a parody of the outtakes as outros for Toy Story 2. So they were that defined by um, blooper reels as being what you'd put at the end of a film. That they even did their own riff on it. Marker. And action. No. Okay. (laughs) A little help here, please. (laughs) But then you had, like, you had Jackie Chan as well, sort of getting in where he wasn't just showing you outtakes. He was just showing you, like, accidents that were happening on set where he's just failed to kill himself, where it's just a series of montages of him basically requiring hospitalization after some stunt has gone wrong. Oh, my God. And it kind of, I think it plays into the to the next film in a weird way within the Jackie Chan franchise because you're going in kind of going, well, he really did, they really do injure themselves doing this stuff, like, you know, and you're kind of looking forward to the- Throwing himself into it. It's just shocking. It's just shocking what they put them, it's like watching Jackass only like really skilled and graceful. But you know what I was saying? Like you had like, um, you had outtakes and blooper reels and stuff, but do you know what the yeah. first sort of post credit scene was- that use them as sort of a setup for another movie, like the first sort of like Iron Man version of setting up the Avengers. Do you know what the first film was to do that? Okay, okay. Can you give me a, give me a clue of a decade? Give me a decade. It's the 80s. It's the first one to sort of set up the next big villain of a, an intended franchise that didn't come to pass again. Is it, is it Superman 2? No, Superman mm, 3. No, it was a young Sherlock Holmes. Oh, it ends with them teasing Moriarty, and uh, yeah, they didn't make wow. that film. I've never seen that. I've never seen that post-credit scene. I never knew that. Can I help you? I'd like a room, please. Please, uh, to sign here. There's a few of them. When I was looking into this, I was sort of shocked about how many films had post-credit scenes that I'd not seen or even heard about. And one of the ones that sort of stood out and one of the most fun ones was from Little Weapon 3. What's that one? Like, as I was saying, you've got like these these, uh, post-credits that feel like they're repurposed footage. So they're sort of taking moments like Mm -hmm. either outtakes or blooper reels or they're they're doing callbacks to jokes that have happened earlier in the film. Like Airplane would have, like um, they do a... They do a call back to the taxi that's outside the airport with the meter still running. Yeah. And that feels like still running. <laughs> that feels like it could have it's gone in the film, it. but they saved it and put it at the end. And uh delete Which makes it funnier. <laughs> and um they do it as well in, in Adventures in Babysitting where the guy is uh the Graydon character is hanging on to the side of the skyscraper still. You cut back to him still doing that. And um yeah, it's uh those are the ones where you feel like was that intended to go as a post-credit scene all along, or was it just decided that they could do it and it would make the most sense to throw it in? And the Elite Weapon Three one feels like that as well because it's um it's basically Riggs and Murtar pulling up to a building and you never see the characters, yes. so you just hear the two the two actors riffing as um you're seeing this establishing shot of the car pulling up to the building and they're like bantering back and forth about so do you think they're gonna let us do this again? You know after what happened the last time because there was a building exploded in the film earlier. Yeah, and it's like yeah, do we cut the red wire, the blue wire? yeah, it just feels like it's um a bit of a laugh that they were having where they thought we could use this footage and, and sort of put it at the very, very end of the film, but no one knows it's there because obviously... I've seen that. Have you seen it? But who was like waiting to the very end of the VHS tape to run out or... or sitting there to the very end of the, the 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 screening, unless you were trying to like steal a seat in the next showing. People who didn't have remote controls like we did back in the day and you just sat there and waited for someone to get up and press stop or whatever it was. We'd no, we'd no remote controls. So you're just like sitting there just watching. Did you have like a broom handle? Could you not like stab at the telly with like a, a handle? Um, 
or a wand? No, even 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 some of the some of the buttons were broken on it, so you had to like you know risk electrocuting yourself by jamming your finger into the slot where the button should be. Um, so it was kind of like, who's going <laughs> to? Won't some of your family hear this? Will do you really want to be putting something? <laughs> truth. <laughs> it's tr- our TV. Our TV was oh my a similar God. situation. Jeez. Um, uh, but sure, like it was everything. A- anything anyone had back in the eighties, it was all like repaired until like you know everything was just secondhand and repaired until it can be repaired no more. Um, um, but yeah, that one would in Lethal Weapon Three. I do remember it because it sticks out in my mind because the ADR because it was clearly ADR is so incongruous yeah. with what you see on screen. It's kind of like, they're not really there. This is just them just kind of like... Yeah, very sedate car yeah. driving up. and <laughs> Oh, no. I remember that one. And, and one that pops into my head, now that you say it from the 80s, is the Ferris Bueller one. You know, at the very end, uh, Ferris Bueller, um, the credits roll, and Ferris is, uh, shows up on screen. He says, are you still here? Why don't you leave? Go home. And you see, that's one that it feels like it's taking its influence from the Muppets. Because the Muppets obviously had an animal doing the same thing. It's them sort of like doffing their cap to that. Because with a lot of these post-credits, it feels like that filmmakers have been inspired by other uh, filmmakers that have done something similar and then they want to do their own version of it. Kevin, there's something actually just popped into my head as you said that. Putting my mindset back to those days. Do you remember back in the days of albums um, uh, when you would have an album and you let it roll and sometimes at the very end of an album A hidden track A hidden track and maybe there's a kind of a cross-pollination there of that idea of like just then we'll put in this that kind of sense of put in a hidden scene or a hidden moment at the very end just so that the audiences just feel like they found something secret because it was before the internet and all that sort of jazz and sometimes as a kid when you when you did get films on VHS and maybe the reason they're there is because of VHS because people did consume these over and over again um you, you we I remember kind of watching them to the end well, I think it also might as well be the DVDs because they didn't really explode until the DVD era. Like they had them popping up every so often, but um, obviously it's a lot easier yeah. with a DVD to skip to the very end. So I, that's my theory, but I like your theory as well. That that makes sense to me that it, there could be sort of um, a music yeah. uh, influence. And also once you could actually play it at home, once that's the, 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 the genesis of being able to rent these things and watch the tapes at home and forward to the end and kind of, you know, there's, yeah, there's something about it that's, um, yeah, maybe there's something yeah. there, maybe not. So you had the, the first beautiful one and then they sort of, they went one further with Scrooge. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> where uh, Bill Murray is basically leading the whole cast in a sing song and it, it becomes this sort of musical moment where everyone's singing, uh, put a little love in your heart. And it cuts to all the different characters from different scenes in the movie just dancing and singing the song and miming to camera and basically having a, a, a party. And uh, that is one that I think was so influential that it popped mm. up again and again and again. Like the Farrelly brothers then did that with There's Something About Mary where uh, at the end of that film it, it all becomes Build Me Up Buttercup yeah. where all the characters are, uh, and the crew, you know, that are coming in and out of shots and like fixing hair and makeup or, you know, you've got people with walkie-talkies. They're all sort of joining in and uh, having this sing-song with the, the cast and it just sort of creates sort of an expanded version of the outtakes where um, it's letting you in on the filmmakers making the film and it's just a lovely sort of warm, celebratory sort of like ending to a movie. But that sort of feels like... Scrooge kicked that off and uh, it was inspired by Ferris Bueller which was inspired by the Muppets and yeah I just sort of found it really fascinating to sort of thread the line back through the different films and see how people have used post-credits in very different ways to how we think of them now with the Marvel movies which is like setups for what's coming next what's the next big bad the sort of commercial for the next movie alright alright the women the women now this time no, the real women, the real women. You know who you are. Are you? Who was making all the noise through the whole movie? My brother, the king of Christmas. I love that idea. You're 
reminding me of that Scrooge one and that kind of like it's it's kind of like the curtain call on a, on a stage play where you bring yeah. up all the cast and they all take a bow and you get one last moment with them you know where they're kind of out of character slightly it's kind of a thank you to the audience or it's a yeah it's a kind of that kind of joyful celebration moment that you would get in that yeah they're totally yeah you're so right I actually have totally not thought about post credits until you're, you're bringing it up but you're how they've changed in their function and form and then of course some films that are about music will have a performance that will play us out over the end credits uh, with the characters in character like School of Rock where you're basically getting to see what Jack Black does after the concert where he's got his music school and he's playing with all the kids and yeah. he's like you know telling yeah. them to, to melt my face give me a solo and and uh, it's lovely to sort of like watch that play out uh, over the end credits rather than it just cutting to black and that being an end crawl. I love that School of Rock one. That's, that feels so, because it is so improvised and in the moment and handheld and everyone's having a blast and, you, and, it, and it really does feel like a lovely send-off in a kind of a treat at the very end. And That's such a great film as well. I, I don't know if it's in... Uh, as high a standing as, as I think it should be, but I think it's a it's a lovely, brilliant little um, film that doesn't feel like yeah. it feels a lot more modern than it is because it's what two thousand and three. You know, it's nearly twenty years old, but it feels sort of very um, progressive in its treatment of all the characters, and it doesn't make fun of any of the kids. And Jack Black sort of just is perfect for supercharging all those scenes and sort of making them sort of uh, come alive. It's uh, and it's a cracking story. It's Richard Linklater, obviously. Richard, well, the guy the guy who wrote it is Jack Black's flatmate. Uh, yeah, so in the post credit sequence. That's a C. All right, you got that? Let's see. Okay, Paolo, let's see you. Yeah, your fingers are basically right. Deshaun, what do you got? Let's see. All right, play. Toby, you got it? Let's see. Very good. You got well, it. he's basically teaching the younger generation. Mike White. Uh, uh, Mike White, isn't it? He's, he's teaching the younger kids, again, the, like toddlers, and like, you know... Yeah, give me a beat. Oh, very good. And how about you? And yeah, you just sort of see that they, they've, they've turned a little um, grift into an academy. Oh, man. And he was actually originally supposed to direct this film as well. But um, what happened was obviously the, the, the budget went up and he, he hadn't directed anything before. And the cost of those tracks, I think yeah. the, the, it was the cost of licensing of the music that really massively inflated the budget of that film. Um, but yeah, that's a cracker. That's a great post-credit scene. Or end, would you call it? It's an end-credit scene, isn't it? I'd say that's end-credit scene because it, it just plays yeah. us through the credits. Did my face okay? I think you melted it off. <laughs> All right. Now the next thing I want. But do you remember sort of like seeing post-credit scenes and being let down by them? Because our generation, we would have been. Uh, they would have been presented to us just like with the MCU, the Marvel films. But obviously, they didn't amount to anything. So you had like Masters of the Universe where Skeletor pops up out of the the water and he's like, I'll be back. I'll be back. And he wasn't back. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe eight-year-old me was kind of going, ah, you're all right, we're grand. (laughs) You you can keep it. You don't need to, it's fine. Fine, stay down there. It's but okay. I'll tell you one that I remember seeing in the cinema and feeling like it wasn't a post-credit scene, but it was teasing the next film, and it was the first time where I, I don't know what age it was. It must have been seven or something, and I was disgusted by the film. I thought, is that it? Is that the ending? But it was a uh, Back to the Future Two. <laughs> Okay, relax, Doc. It's me. It's me. It's Martin. Oh, I can't be. Just sent you back to the future. Yeah. Oh, I know. You did send me back to the future, but I'm back. I'm back from the future. Great Scott. And Back to the Future 2 ended right. with a trailer to Back to the Future 3. And I was sitting there going, like, oh. what? That's the ending? We're just going to get a trailer for the next film that's coming out in six months' time? <laughs> And it, it was in the oh World West. Oh, I, I didn't sign up for this. I came to see a movie, not an installment. This is outrageous. 
I know yeah. that feeling. I know that feeling because I think whether it was on the VHS as well, I'm not sure, but it was kind of like, hold on a second. Yeah, there was that sense of you haven't given me that full because it's again you haven't given me a D end. You haven't given me a D end. I want the end, and that film really is missing that. <laughs> Although I do love Back to the Future too. I love. I I want Finn to be honest. I want to have that very ornate Finn. <laughs> <laughs> You just bring into my head um, uh, the experience of sitting in a cinema waiting for the credits, the post-credits scene to come up and the lights are coming up and you're feeling awkward and embarrassed and bad for holding the staff up and stuff like that. <laughs> you ever, did you ever get that feeling? You're like going, oh God, here I am. They're supposed to be in the credit scene and the lights are up and the staff are literally just down at the bottom of the thing with their bags and you're just kind of, well, you know, and you can just feel them kind of going, well, you fucking move. I've got to fucking clean the screen, like, you know, but there's a post credit scene. I remember you, you, thanks to Marvel, you turn up at the cinema and they'd say to you, um, and stay for the end, there's a post credit scene. And you think, ah, fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but it became sort of the thing where they'd have to tell you to stay to the end or they'd have to tell you there's no post credit scene. You don't need to stay. And for the first couple of years, it was really awkward. Um, uh, it was just, it was just like, there was just, there was maybe me, I remember I would go see it with, with like, uh, buddies of mine, we'd go see a Marvel film, like Liam Burke and Gar and stuff like that. And, um, we would just be sitting there and no, there's a scene, there's a scene, you know, you, everyone's left and we're the only ones. Wouldn't and, you just um, be checking on your phone? Like I have my phone open the whole time when I'm in the cinema. So I'm like, I would be Googling and making sure, is there a post credit scene and, you know, if, if I can't find an answer, I'll be texting people and, you know, make it a, a few phone calls. And <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, you know, these were uh, earlier days and, um, yeah, it was in the, in, in, around the time of the Way back the in the Man, old yeah. days of 2010. <laughs> when Iron Man, yeah, when Iron Man was doing it, first of all, it was like, there is a, there is a scene at the end of this. But there was one, which was, I don't think they actually had a post-credit scene at the end of um, the last one, Endgame. Am I right in saying no, that? No, didn't. Did nope. have? So that was kind of like, no. oh, finally. Finally, it's over. We don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, but when you think about it, just that one post credit scene set up, 23 films, several TV shows, you know, it's and it's inspired hundreds of other films to, uh, to copy them and create their own uh, franchises based off of what are essentially commercials for the next film. I think when people see this, title to this episode they're going to think oh it's just going to be all about the 23 Marvel films but as I said there was 450 of them but Marvel have sort of like dominated that space and turned them into their own thing where they're not blooper reels they're not outtakes they're, they're not sort of like um, musical moments they're, they're story points and they're, mm-hmm. they're necessary that you have to see them mm-hmm. and when I was looking into this out of the 23 films you know there are 30 minutes of post credit scenes Crikey. That is a lot of post-credits. Are there oh any that God. stick out in your mind as like good post-credit um, scenes where you think that was a great that was a great moment? Uh very, very few. I, I, I because I was never uh I, I, I was never like a big Marvel guy. I was never like you know, I I never was super invested in that universe, even though you know what I mean. I'm like I'm the very casual kind of like, yeah, yeah, I like this fun, it's entertaining, it's bombastic. So whenever they drop something kind of esoteric uh, like you know, when <laughs> who's that? What? I, yeah, Who? I'd be more like that. I, I have no idea. Like, oh, there was a Howard the Duck in Howard the Duck in Guardians of the Galaxy. Went, oh, Howard the Duck, yeah, George Lucas yeah. guy. Um, well, Guardians of the Galaxy two felt like they, that's what I felt like they'd slightly pushed it because they had five in that. Oh, you had James Gunn's brother Craglin sort of messing with the the Yaka arrow, the sort of the whistle thing. Yeah. Then you had Stallone popping up as the Ravenger, and he was sort of introducing us to his team or, or telling us what he was going to do next, which we haven't seen yet. Then you had Groot as the surly team. Mm-hmm. Then you had the tease of Adam Warlock in his cocoon mm-hmm. as sort of like a, the next sort of um, major character to be introduced <laughs> in the MCU. And then the very last one, probably the best of, of all of them, was Stan Lee was revealed to be a spy, an informant for the Watchers. So every single cameo that he had in all the MCU movies he was playing the same character who was basically just moving around and, and watching events and reporting back to the Watchers. And no I thought that was a lovely way. way to wrap up. 
I saw that <laughs> and did not understand what was happening. Like, I just went, oh, those are the guys. I remember those guys. So he is, oh, I love that. That's kind of nice. That's a really, if if I understood what was actually happening, then that would have been great. But I, at the time, I just went, there's the Stan Lee cameo. Cool. Um, and there's mm. some aliens. Cool. Obviously. It all kicked off with like Iron Man in 2008 with uh, Sam Jackson sort of turning up as Nick Fury and, and hinting about the Avengers. Jarvis, welcome home, I am Iron Man. You think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Who the hell are you? Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. That wasn't even the first post credit scene of a superhero film. The first one was actually from Spy Kids, and the, the first comic book one was from Ghost World in 2001 as well. And, uh, and the first Marvel one was from Daredevil. The end of Daredevil has oh. uh, Colin Farrell... Um, he's in sort of bandages and he's he's confined in, in a hospital, sort of like wrecked. And there's a fly buzzing around him, and he picks up a needle and he stabs um, he stabs the the fly into the wall. And this is all sort of happening is Ben Affleck's Daredevil is giving this sort of very uh, bored voiceover. They say there's no rest for the wicked, but what about the good? The battle of good versus evil is never ending. Because evil always survives. Bullseye. They hadn't really perfected them at that stage. Oh. But you had other Marvel movies doing them as well. You had like, they, it was in Constantine. It, it was in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. And X-Men Last Stand had one where they teased sort of the revival of Professor X. Uh, so, you know. The MCU gets all the credit for post credits, but they were they existed long before um, Iron Man. I think there's one that I incorrectly remember when you said it there. I just went, "Oh, does Batman Returns have an incredit or a post credit scene of Catwoman kind of like standing up?" But that must be just be the last shot of the film. That's probably the last shot of the film. I'm just being mistaken. I know that was shot uh, a couple of weeks before the film uh, debuted. So they went back in and they made a, a, a puppet of um, Catwoman. And if you watch that sort of moment, and I think it is the, the very last shot of the movie, uh, it doesn't make sense that she's standing there because it, the, the shot begins panning up over like Gotham City. Yeah. And there's nothing for her to be standing on. And then Catwoman raises into a, or a puppet of Catwoman raises into frame and sort of it looks out over Gotham. So, yeah, it's not... Yeah, I always remember it being weird. <laughs> it's not a post credit scene, but, uh, yeah, you'd be forgiven for thinking it was. You poor guys, always confusing your pistols with your privates. This is one that popped into my head, actually, as you said it. It's one of the Chucky films. The most recent, <laughs> was The Bride of Chucky. Um, no, it's Curse of Chucky. This? Curse of Chucky. There's like yeah, a Curse two of Chucky. minutes... Yeah, they bring back they bring they bring back the original the original kid. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, they bring back Andy Barkley. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, they um, it's so fun because Chucky has himself posted or something like that to to Andy's house, and as Andy's talking to the the delivery person at the door, where the the box is in the background in Andy's you know living room, or he's on top of his uh, um, on top of a board, and you just see this knife coming up and. The, the the box being opened from the inside <laughs> and there's Chucky and the big surprise is there's uh, when he's when he gets up Andy's there to meet him with a shotgun ready <laughs> he's been waiting for this moment I think that's a fun one that's a that really is fun, fun clever one play with this Andy Planet of the Apes uh, has one uh, as well which feels like um it's quite important to that franchise it, so it's planet it's not the remake. Oh. No, it's not the other remake. It's the second remake. No, the Rise yeah, of the Planet. Sorry. It's the third remake that was made after the telly remake. Rise of the so Planet the fourth of the Apes. iteration. The first one of those, like the 12th film uh, of the 14 they've made so far. It was that scene. Not at all confused now, Kevin. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I had a joke and you started talking over me and I was like trying to get through the joke. <laughs> I was making a joke all about um, how many, there's been like 15 of those films. I love that one. That one actually is the most... They spread the virus. Yeah, that one actually filled me with a little bit of uh, 
the creeps because it's so it's so prescient right now because we see how does this thing get how does this thing travel and 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 it's a pilot a pilot has got the disease and he's just he's got he there's a little bit of dro- uh, a drop of blood on the floor in the airport and you just know it is going to spread and spread and cut to the next film and indeed it has spread what a great franchise what a great trilogy those three films were actually those planet of the apes um uh films um it yeah. was definitely the the best 12th film in a franchise <laughs> Oh, well, if you had to work out which one of the Marvel films was the 12th film, well, we'll argue about it tomorrow. <laughs> we'll figure that uh, out. Uh, okay. No, because I'm going to fig- figure it out. <laughs> what was the 12th <laughs> Marvel, Marvel movie? Film. It was Ant-Man. Oh. <laughs> so the guy who was just like not a big fan of Ant-Man. Um, oh. <laughs> what was the post credit scene in Ant-Man? Uh, ants. 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 Ant-Man. Uh, I think it was uh, the Quantum Realm or something like that. That was Ant-Man oh, two. That was prop. That was Ant-Man two. I, I guess. I guess. Listen to you. Ant-Man. You're such a fan of the Marvel films. You shill. <laughs> I'm calling it Ant-Man can two I, and not not its official title. Can I tell you right? Yeah. I once um, th- when uh, I was on the first bottle tour around LA. Right. Um, I had a meeting with Marvel, and this was right. before Avengers had come out. They were, they, I think, Thor was coming out, and okay. um, I hadn't read a single Marvel comic in my life. I didn't know any of them. Since then, I've read almost all the big stories for pure pleasure, just because I found them, you know, uh, really fascinating. Once I got into them, once I got on my pad, I started like caning through all these classic um, Marvel comics and DC comics yeah. and what have you. But I went to that meeting and it's the one time where I was like going, what the fuck am I going to talk about? I'm going in to see the the, the two people at Marvel who are pretty big now and their names are all over the movies. And I don't know anything about Marvel. And I remember having to do a dance for like an hour to try and not talk about the comics because I didn't have a fucking clue. And when they asked me, I remember referring back to like the cartoon, the Firestar, Iceman and Spider-Man character, and that was as deep as my oh, knowledge man. went. This is, you're there, like, you're it there going, but, look, but seriously, though, look, you don't know how much I love Superman. Superman is fucking amazing. It should really give me a shot to do a Superman you're, movie. You are, that sounds like you're taking the piss out of me, but that was actually verbatim what I said. <laughs> did you? I did. I started talking about Superman the movie, because uh. like, I don't know. I don't like the X-Men films and obviously that wasn't their franchise. I was like, I don't know what to fucking talk to these people about. And for an hour, I was sat and there was two of them as well. So when there's two people staring at you, you, you feel like you, you have to put on a show. And I was, I did, I was like, wait, I can't wait for the next movie. Uh, Iron Man was good and yeah. And uh, yeah, the post credit scene from that interview was um, me walking here and basically just like collapsing going like, what a fucking embarrassing Hour long oh, general man. meeting. Oh man, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> love. I love embarrassing stories because I, I I can put myself in your shoes. I have so and... many of them. Oh man, <laughs> that's fantastic. But um, they were lovely to me. They were absolutely lovely to me. But I just I shouldn't have been. I wasn't ready for that meeting. And when you are doing the the bottle tour, and when you don't live in LA, yeah. and you're sort of flying in for like a week, they cram all the meetings in back to back so I was that was probably like my 20th meeting that week and yeah. you know you're harried when you get there and you th- you feel like oh Jesus Christ where do I park and how do I drive and uh, <laughs> you walk in and it's like <laughs> so I know it man just getting there just getting to the meeting for us poor Irish you know Irish lads in that temperature well you know it's quite bammy over there it's nice uh, it's just like so I made it I'm alive I made it here you won't believe it I just I'm here I was on a plane and I'm here and you feel like you know you deserve they should just you know um, give you a round of applause or something like the that the one good thing though uh, about being in, in the States is that you don't realise that your accent your actual voice is a superpower and that if you walk up to somebody and you say to them, like, uh, oh, come here to me. Where's the door? I can't find a way out. They will drop everything <laughs> to, to help you because they think, oh, this poor person. 
they need help. Uh, yeah. So it would become a crutch that I would use again and again. Because would be like, uh, I'd be afraid that I would, I'd walk out a window. Yeah. So, like, as I was saying, you had, like, blooper reels, you had um, outtakes, you had sing-alongs, sort of, like, celebrations with the cast and crew. Um, and then they became sort of, like, story-focused, where... Marvel was obviously doing them, but other films were doing them as well. And one of the, the best ones that I can think of, um, it's not my best bit, but it's one where it's a post-credit sequence or an end-credit sequence where I think it's better than the whole film itself and it sort of takes the film to another level. Um, and it's the Hangover's end sequence. Hey, guys, look what I found. Whoa, that's my camera. Yeah, it was lodged in the backseat of the car. Oh, are there photos on it? Yeah. And you get to see all the pictures from the night before of all the debauchery and yeah. the tattoos and the, uh, the the shit that was happening. I say we delete it right now. Are you nuts? I want to find out how I wound up in the hospital. Is that in there? Yeah, it's in there. Guys, one time. Deal? Deal. Deal. Okay. Oh, dear Lord. That deserves its place in the movie. It doesn't feel extraneous. It actually feels like that is the perfect way to end that particular story. Yeah, because the story is built around that mystery of of the question of everyone having forgotten what the hell happened. So for it to be revealed is is quite satisfying. And yeah, it is. You're, you're absolutely right. It's the best thing about. It's the first film that I don't. I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen the second or third one. Um, but it definitely they do it in the second one as well. But it it they recreate it and it just doesn't have the same impact. Okay. As I said before, I think I said it on another podcast. That um, it's very hard to do comedy sequels because you, you're basically all comedy is about surprise, and if you're recreating the same jokes, they just don't have the same sort of like punch to them. Um, the one thing that that you're reminding me of uh, when I looked into it, I do have one post credit scene that I think is fantastic and funnier, uh, as funny as the the pre the previous film, and it's the post credit scene for Twenty Two Jump Street. Oh, yeah. where they continue yeah. on they they posit all of the future sequels to all of the all of the 21 21 jump street the jump street franchise now for your next mission you two sons of bitches are going to medical school that's where they're making fun of us well you know we would it's, tease sequels that never came and they're deliberately trolling us with these and sequels they're fantastic like there was 20 23 jump streets you know this time foreign exchange students awesome yes. in russia what cooking school you two sons of bitches are going to culinary school there's a microchip in this empanada old family recipe best to keep it a secret yeah. Preschool, they go to got uh, <laughs> dance school. They go they eventually they end up out in space. But like it goes on and on and on and on and on. And they have like these little vignettes that they actually shot. Like there might be a little mini action scene that. No, that's Schmidt. I don't know what you're talking about, man. He looked exactly the same to me. I got new glasses. Yeah, man. He just got some new glasses, man. God damn. No one's gonna fucking notice. Let's do this, Schmidt. Yeah. Like we always do, Jenkins. Like a lot of effort and expense went into making this post-credit scene, and that was actually going to be my best post-credit scene um, or in-credit scene. It is so funny. <laughs> I'll, it's I'll so funny. This. Just look at it on YouTube. They they really took the idea and just ran with it and ran with it and ran with it. Where it went beyond, like it just got funnier and funnier and funnier the further they took it. Like you know, and um, it's so clever. Traffic school. Military school, scuba class, dance academy. Yes, finally something I'm amazing at. So I think that that would be the default best bit um, if people are unhappy with my okay. pick because my one is a bit of a cheat. And uh, I mentioned earlier on that Ghost World was yeah. one of the first comic book movies to have a post-credit sequence. And they actually had a moment in that film um, where Steve Buscemi, uh, it's it's like an alternate take of a, a sequence that happened earlier in the film, where Steve Buscemi, instead of getting his ass kicked robbing the convenience store, he actually wins the fight. And, it, oh. you know, the, the crew are sort of laughing in the background. Motherfuckers! You fuck with me! 
And that sort of is like an alternate version of um, like a sliding doors version of what could have happened. And that is where I'm going with my uh, post credit scene pick because my one had not one post credit uh, sequence, not two, it had three and I had a proposed fourth one that they never shot. And what they really were, were actually alternate endings to to the film itself. Because my pick is, um, it's from 1985, and it's Clue. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm frightened! What? Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? If I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? Except if... Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's the matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah! Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Huh. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. Murder. This is getting quite serious. And madness. Ah! In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. Clue. It's not just a game anymore. Oh my god. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh god. I was I said, what? What could this possibly be? Clue. Um I've seen it once. It's a very divisive film, which I don't understand why. Mm. But then I think that genre is divisive. You know, this sort of the um, the screwball slapstick farce is a uh, is a bit of a, a divisive genre. But it's um, it's based on a board game. It's based on Cluedo, and it's sort of a slight riff mm. on Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. And it's like a hybrid murder mystery where all these characters turn up at a mansion. They don't know why they've all been drawn there, and a series of murders start to happen. And they had a gimmick ending which is where my best bit comes from uh where they decided to create alternate endings for the film where different Mm -hmm. characters would be the uh the one that had committed the murder and um they decided they were going to sort of put them in different cinemas so you wouldn't know which ending you were going to get and of course Mm -hmm. that was something that nobody wanted and the film bombed and it was you know trashed by the critics so hold on can can you clarify that to me right so when they released the film, they released the f- they they released different cuts of the film to random cinemas with different endings. Is that what you mean? So the film played exactly the same way up until the reveal of who the killer was, and they had three reveals. Okay. They had ending, where she's yeah. revealed to be being blackmailed by Mr. Body, who's the the sort of the main uh, victim in the film, and she's working with who's a, an escort and they've been carrying out the different murders that have been going on so it's revealed that she's the one that committed the murders and in some cinemas they got that and in other cinemas at the very last reel they switched it out and it became <laughs> who was revealed to be the killer <laughs> and she killed the <laughs> who'd worked for her and then she just went into a frenzy a panicked frenzy thinking she's going to get found out so she kept killing more and more people to sort of cover her tracks and then they had the real ending which was that <laughs> was responsible for le- so you had like was the one that killed and killed the killed the and that's considered to be the real ending oh wow it was a gimmick that just didn't work with audiences because people were not going to go pay to see the same film again just to get a different ending not knowing if they would get that ending you know it was completely random but then on the, on the video and on the dvd you can see all three are sort of stacked back to back to back but they were even going to do a fourth one they were going to do a fourth one where was the, the killer oh my god i didn't notice they were right not to shoot it because people did not like um people did not like the idea of multiple endings to a film but for me i love that film it's such a laugh i have to go back and watch it um it's been a, a long long time and i don't think i gave it a proper a proper shake it was years and years ago so maybe i didn't even fit i don't even know if i got to the end of this film <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but I love that idea. It is one of those ones, though, where it, it divides people. It's like um, a matinee yeah. film in my eyes. It's one of those films that's it's best watched on like a rainy Saturday or a rainy Sunday. That's exactly when I was watching it. And I, I, I was taken away. I remember that feeling of like, oh, I, I kind of, I'm enjoying sitting down watching this. And I was just, I was distracted and whatever it was. And I never got back, never got to the end. Um, and, uh, but you really have, you really made me like intrigued to kind of go and see that. That's fantastic. Hey, if Ryan Johnson sees this, he's going to get some ideas for his Knives Out franchise for Netflix. <laughs> just, yeah, just choose your own ending. I think everyone got scared off by it because it was such, um, it was such a, a maligned film. And I honestly, as I say, I don't get it. It's, it was co-written by John Landis and he was going to direct it, um, but he went off to do Spies Like Us and so the writer, the co-writer, got to direct. Can you imagine that? Letting the writer direct. Um, no. They're not, they're <laughs> and, not capable. Uh, <laughs> he did a great job. I mean, he went on from that to do My Cousin Vinny and stuff. So he had chops. But it's oh, such no, a witty, clever... Uh, it was Jonathan Lynn. Wow. Jonathan Lynn. Mm. Like, My Cousin Vinny is a cracker of a courtroom comedy. It's it's fantastic. It's really... I it saw is. that in the cinema and so you made that... Um, do you know what, what else he made, or did he? You know, was that is that or are those his two most notable? Those films? were his most notable ones. He's done a few flops after that, which yeah. I, I decided not to to make a note of. I think it's like Nuns on the Run, and he did a lot of TV after that. You know, he was doing like Yes Minister ah, okay. and uh, Yes Prime Minister. But uh, I really enjoyed that film, and you know, I like I I like Noises Off, which is similar, but it you know. Your mileage may vary, but for me, Clue is like the best film based on a game. So it's uh, based on a real game. Well, well, it's not as good as Battleship. No, you know, in all fairness, <laughs> you know, come on. It's you better than that. Battleship. It's better than Tomb Raider, Warcraft. It's better than the imitation game. <laughs> Wadsworth, am I right in thinking there is nobody else in this house? No. Then there is someone else in this house. No, sorry. I said no meaning yes. No meaning Yes. Look, I want a straight answer. Is there someone else or isn't there? Yes or no? No. No, there is or no, there isn't? Yes. Please! Don't you think we should get that man out of the house before he finds out what's been going on here? I'm going to watch this. Clue. Check it out. It's brilliant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So now, Will, as per usual... I have to spin the wheel for you. I do dread this moment every week. I do dread it. I dread it as well. But here we go. Yeah. Spinning. Spinning. And it is best torture porn scene. (laughs) Oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. I'm so excited to hear what the writer of Song of the Sea and Wolfwalkers thinks of best torture porn scene. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you remember from earlier in this season, yeah, I have a little thing in my back pocket called the veto. Oh yeah, yes, I do, and <laughs> I am going to use my veto right now. Thank you very much, because oh, I've only seen one Saw film, <laughs> and it was enough for me. And I'm not going to go through. I'm just not. I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. I'm actually kind of glad that you're using wuss. it to be honest, because I would have, I would have no idea what my pick would be. It would probably be one of the moments from Seven. Oh well. Oh shit. Uh, and I don't think even that that because counts. Oh, yeah, because you don't actually see any. You don't see anything on screen. Okay, so you're vetoing it. So it's gone. I'm vetoing that shit. <laughs> Spin it again, Kevin. <laughs> totally forgot that you had that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm spinning. I'm spinning. Best deleted scene. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. You've wasted your veto. <laughs> I've wasted my veto. But can I use uh, best uh, uh, deleted scene that may have been used uh, in a kind of an extended cut that was like reintegrated into a later cut of the film? Well, I suppose when everything has to do with like director's cuts and, and well, how else would we know what a deleted scene is unless we've seen it in mm. some capacity? So yeah. I, I, I would say if a deleted scene has been included in alternate cuts, that counts. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's, counts. that's better. That's better. I like because there's a lot of films out there that are, yeah, okay. There's, that's, okay, I'm, I'm with that. I'm with that. I'm excited. Best deleted scene. Okay, I need to think about that. It's like stuff you would have seen on, a, on a extra features. Oh, there's good stuff there. 
There's good stuff there. There's good stuff, definitely. I already have a front runner. We've gotten two really weird topics. Best post-credit scene and best deleted yeah. scene. But then I suppose no other podcast is sort of tackling these big issues. Yeah, it's a big, big topical issues, Kevin. <laughs> these are, these are, these are like, these are conversations that need to be had. Let's get people on the streets talking about their uh, best pull credit season. Get the word fixed. Definitely. Okay, well, so where can people find you? People can find me online. Online. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that. Uh, on Twitter under Wilms Film, W I L L U M S F I L L U M. Kevin, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter as well under uh, Ask Kevin Lee Han. And uh, as I say each week, um, you can email us. We're at uh, we're bestbitspod at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'd also really, really love it if you would share, like, subscribe, recommend the show to people you like and to give us a positive rating on whatever platform you use because it helps us with the algorithm. And um, it, it's already helping us where we've charted for the first time. Yeah. And uh, it's really encouraging to see because, you know, we're a small podcast. It's just me and Will. We don't have like a team of people working with us. We do everything ourselves and um, we love doing it. And we just want to make sure that people know that it's here mm. and can join in. It's all about the ratings. It's all about the ratings. That's the thing that really pushes it up. That's the thing we've learned. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. But listen, I love hearing from people. And it's been, and I and I've read everything anyone's said on Twitter, and it's great to see so many people reacting. Um, it, it just makes it makes it feel like we're not speaking to ourselves. I think I said that last, last week, Kevin. But yeah, it's class. Thanks very much. Keep those eggplant emojis coming. I enjoy them so much. <laughs> Kevin, have you not planted your eggplants yet? Oh my God! Come on, get up. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, All right. we'll talk to you next week for best deleted scene. Brilliant. Bye. Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scenes... So, Will, Mm -hmm. now that we are in the post-credits of this show... Mm -hmm. I thought this would be the perfect opportunity now to tell people about our big grand plan, our secret initiative. Are you serious? You, you <laughs> want to do it like this way? After the show's finished, you want to just do it like that? <laughs> I do. And it's what we're calling All the Best Bits, which are audio commentary episodes where we don't just talk about our favourite scenes, we talk about all the scenes. So we're basically taking all of our favourite films, the films that we picked as our best bits, and we're going to do those lovely little hangout audio commentaries, things with them. They're incredibly relaxing, and they're a totally different vibe um, to this main show. It's thank you content. That's what it is. So, stay tuned, I guess. And now, go home. Go home. It's over. Switch off. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to your family. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Excuse me. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Bonus content for you. Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiraptist the other day, and uh, she Your said, "Corn, to, my corns." Do you, you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes, stuff like that. Do um, you do you not wear any shoes like around the house? You walk no, barefoot. I, I, I wear no. It's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women.
oh, who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. <laughs> Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode? It's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes. Maybe it doesn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> you don't des- Everybody you, cancel. You don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people? We, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you, yeah. you think I did? I, I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Goes away, Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking of, of the, which, I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glints. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the time. Oh. I forgot. You may as well. Because the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after Yeah, we, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. Very okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um. What else did I see? I made notes, but sure, it doesn't Jeez. really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm well, the Joker to Two trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that. Hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see. It's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen, uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh, yeah, that's going to be just to fill me in just, like on the lore get up to speed get you right up to speed <laughs> and you'll be there going where where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks where when are they going to show up and like it's you know, a bit of a weird time though where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin then you have this offshoot of Joker which is in its own universe entirely hmm. uh, and then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like it's this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors. 
and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh, it's this is insane. the thing. Kevin, so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod, on a podcast. Wait, was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Yeah, uh, you think. you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people on Discord are trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like, um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's everywhere. And the other thing, you know, the other thing that's also bothering me lately. Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly, whatever. They would just, they're up morons. But no. <laughs> I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, (laughs) but I can't get it right. It's like the you I because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you, but you did, and I went to try and find it because I was I would find myself writing the word compliment, and I went, "Shit, Kevin!" But, I, but you you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that yeah, I read that. Thanks, but I did right. I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment I went okay what did Kevin say again about compliment there's an I and the E what did he say so I went searching for it and I found it I think and I went oh the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment it's insane how little you can retain information it's insane (laughs) come here let's start talking about what we watched come on did you start the timer yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know what I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right. 